I can see clearly how the work I'm doing is serving God or a higher purpose. I can see clearly how the work of God that I am, how the work I am doing is serving God or a higher purpose. 30% of people surveyed said that this was the case for them. That they could see how the work that they were doing was in some way serving God or somehow had a higher purpose. Almost 80% surveyed said, the work that I'm doing is not as important as the work of a pastor or priest. The work I am doing is not as important as the work of a pastor or priest. For the amount of time that we spend working, that is not very encouraging, is it? You think about the number of hours that you put in each week to your work. That is not encouraging. How would you answer these questions? Do you find your work to be meaningful? Do you see your work as having a higher purpose? As serving God in some way as a follower of Jesus? Do you believe that what Nate does as the pastor of this church is more important than what you do? That it's more important in particular in God's eyes that God has a ranking system for jobs. Missionaries first, pastors that stay in their homeland second, and then everybody else. Well, maybe teachers, and then everybody else. I had a conversation with somebody who is uh, going to be one of our fellows as part of Circle City Fellows this year, who struggled in this initial conversation with exactly that. H how could my work that's just a part of this business to help keep it moving, how could it be anywhere near as important as my pastor's work at her church? It, it was, in one way, really respectful and really honoring, right? There's this sense of, I have a great respect and, and appreciation for my pastor and what he does. At the same time, inadvertently, it was diminishing of her own work and the value that it had, has, and will have and the impact that it has with what she does. What thoughts and feelings do you have about your work? Are you TGIF? Thank God it's Friday. Or as I heard recently, are you TGIM? Thank God it's Monday. My invitation to you today is to see your work as God sees your work. And so engage your work with passion and with purpose. See your work as God sees your work and engage your work with passion and purpose. And when you do, you will contribute to the renewal of your community, the third arena of renewal that we are looking at this summer. Last week, I introduced this third portion of our summer renewal series, and I talked us through this story of God's mission that looks like this image of different uh, arrows and circles and such that uh, explain and express God's mission in the world and how God moves in and through the world. I'm going to see if we have the picture of this to be able to look at again. And I don't think we do. So, it begins with God's creation that we learn about in Genesis. It follows with the rebellion that we have as human beings. God then calls Abraham and Israel to be God's people. And in calling them to be his people, he is trying to, seeking to demonstrate the difference of who God is in the world. So people will be drawn to Yahweh and who Yahweh is. 
then Jesus comes as Messiah, life, death, and resurrection, mattering, having purpose for what he wanted to do in the world, what God's mission was in the world. Following that, God sends the people out. Jesus saying to his disciples, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. And finally, looking forward to the new creation. That what we see through this mission of God is that we have a part to play, a verse to contribute, a paragraph to write. That we fit in between that arrow to the right of the word Acts and that word Revelation. That we are between that movement of the arrow from left to right to the arrow coming down of the new creation that will be renewed as Revelation 21 and 22 teaches us. That we find ourselves in that space between as the sent people of God to live as Jesus lived, to love as Jesus loved in this world. And that when we do, we are participating in God's mission in the world to put love where love is not. Because that is why God created. God created out of love. The triune God of love, existing in love, chooses to overflow for more giving and receiving of love by making the created order. That we, when we are part of God's mission participating, are in the world to see God put the world to rights, as theologian N.T. Wright says. And that God will put that world to rights in humanity and through humanity. And so we recognize that God's missional story is the compelling answer for who we are, why we're here, and why our stories matter. We looked at this last week as the context for us of how we think about our work. We looked at how God has called us to be part of this story, a missional call that impacts every part of our life. That it starts with God's missional call in a center circle, as you might think. And in that center circle of God's call, it then moves forward out into God's workplace, our workplace, and from God's workplace for the sake of the city. This is not working, if you don't mind, if you can track with me. Thanks. And so, as God works and moves, it is the call of God on our mission that impacts where we are in our work that is for the sake of the flourishing of the city. And we want to make the connection of God's call with God's story to our work today because we spend the bulk of our time there. And if we're walking around thinking in our heads, hearts, and minds, and spirits that my work doesn't have very much of a, a purpose in God's purposes, that, that the work of missionaries and pastors is more important than mine, and yet we spend the bulk of our time doing that work in the business world, or in project management, or in operations, or uh, as a store manager of a Starbucks, or teaching in a classroom, if we are diminishing God's call on our life in what we do and how we do it. If this work isn't seen as having a place in participation with God's mission, that is a problem. Because our whole of life is meant to be affected as followers of Jesus, as disciples. It is not a compartmentalization, as well you know, of six days a week, I do this, and on Sunday, now God comes into play. So again, my invitation for us is to see your work as God sees your work, and so engage your work with passion and purpose. So to make that connection, I want to look through three key ideas from the scriptures for how and why our faith integrates into our workplace. That your work is good, that your work matters, and that your work is ministry. That your work, as it is aligned with God's mission in the world, it is ministry, whatever you are doing, as it aligns with God's mission. 
First, your work is good. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 1. We've been in Genesis 1 in numerous times over the course of this summer, reading from it. At least, this is at least the third time, if not the fourth. Interesting that with different topics we've looked at throughout the summer, that we've gone back to, in a season of renewal, we've gone back to what was the original, right? Let's look at what it was supposed to be if we're trying to renew back to something. So coming to Genesis 1, I'm going to jump through this whole first chapter, but I'll guide you to what verses I'm looking at as we go along. We'll begin in the beginning. In the beginning, God worked. Anybody have that translation? God worked? Yeah, me neither. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God God did something. God worked. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. The Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, wouldn't this be great if our work could just be speaking, right? And David said, let there be a sermon, and there it would be. That'd be awesome, you know? Or some, like, coding backend for a website. You could just say it, and there it would be. But it didn't work that way. But it worked that way for God. However, he did it was saying things. So there. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light was good. He separated the light from the darkness and called the light day and the darkness night. And evening passed, and morning came, marking the first day. Then God said, let there be a space between the waters to separate the waters of the heavens from the waters of the earth. Verse 9, then God said, let the waters beneath the sky float together into one place, so dry ground may appear. And that is what what happened. Jump to verse 14, then God said, let lights appear in the sky to separate the day from the night, and let them be signs to mark the seasons, days, and years. Verse 20, then God said, let the waters swarm with fish and every other life. Let the skies be filled with birds of every kind. So God created great sea creatures and every living thing that scurries and swarms in the water and every sort of bird. Verse 24, then God said, let the earth produce every sort of animal, each producing offspring of the same kind. Verse 25, God made all sorts of wild animals, livestock and small animals, and God saw that it was good. Verse 26, then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. Catch that phrase that it said there, they will reign over. We'll come back to that. Verse 27, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Or your translation might say, subdue it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Verse 31, then God looked over all he had made. He saw that it was very good, and evening passed, and morning came, marking the sixth day. And on the seventh day, we know, as chapter 2 begins, God rested. Work is good because work is part of the original creation. God worked. God created. Now, the reality is, uh, I know for myself, I love vacation. I love, in many ways, I love not working because I get tired from work. And it can make me think that work is bad, that work in and of itself is like a necessary evil. But Genesis 1 is very, very clear. Work is good. 
we know from Genesis 3 and following that there's a sense of curse because of the rebellion about our work, right? That God even speaks to specifically Adam in Genesis 3 about how tilling the ground and working the earth will now be toilsome. It's an image for us of how our work is going to be hard and why I like vacation and why I like days off and maybe you too. But let's go back again since we're renewing and restoring and seeing reconciliation come in this part of God's story. Go back to what the original was. Work is good. Your work is not a necessary evil. It's not a necessary evil. You might not be yet. Thank God it's Monday tomorrow. But at least have the thought in mind. I get to work. This is good. This is good. It was a part of the original creation. Work is the reflection of the image of God. We get to reflect the same kind of good work that God did here in Genesis 1. When God speaks of it, he says, so in verse 27, so God created human beings in his own image. Theologians have spent lots of ink and pen and I guess now typing on computers uh, talking about what it means to be made in the image of God. But a majority agreement will land on two primary aspects of being made in the image of God. One is that we're relational. God is relational, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, in relationship of giving, receiving, and sharing love. We are relational. And the other is vocational. Work. That God worked. And we in God's image work as well. And this is even then why God is so specific with that image to say, I've made you in my image, so be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, and now govern it subdue it or as maybe most accurately the hebrew word there is actually the hebrew word for serve serve the earth that's a little different isn't it with somehow how we treat the earth that's a little aside though you might take that word serve and think when i serve somebody what am i really doing i'm taking care of them i'm watching out for them i'm looking for their best interest, right? That when we serve somebody in that way. So God says, I've created, I make you in my image. I've worked, you're in my image, now you're gonna work. I've created this world, I'm sustaining it, I'm behind it, but you're gonna participate with me in caring for that. And so our work is good. So good that Jesus worked. You heard me say last week, that Jesus did not just drop in on the Sunday before Passion Week and before Passover to die and rise again. It wasn't the triumphal entry, and he's not been here. Where did he come from? There were roughly 33 years of life before that, right? Jesus' life mattered. What did he do for the first 30 years of his life? Well, okay, maybe whenever he started picking up a hammer at maybe age six, seven, eight, I'm not sure. When does a carpenter start? majority of his life had been doing what? Being a carpenter, working, just like all of us. If work is good enough for Jesus, it might be good enough for us. Ultimately, God's work is good because God's work is God's mission activated in the world. That God is working in the world on mission and we get to participate in. So work is good and so your work is good. But second, your work and my work, it matters it matters for two reasons. First, it matters because your work has intrinsic value. And second, your work matters because it has lasting value. It's not temporal. But I want to talk about this for a little while, about intrinsic value. 
there are times where we can look at our work and we can think, God, as part of your mission, my work is an instrument to, to get at what you're really about. And what you're really about, God, is you are really just about people being reconciled to you, being saved. So I'm going to use my work as an instrument to witness for you. Now, there is nothing wrong with that as part of your understanding of your work. I don't think there's anything wrong with you looking at your work and what you do as saying to God, God, how can my work help me to share you with other people, to invite others to know you? But if that's all your work is to you, is that instrument, has that instrumental value, I would respectfully offer to you, I think the scriptures tell us something different. That the actual work you do has intrinsic value. It's intrinsic value because what we do is a form of participating in what God does, that God has work. Author Robert Banks uh, wrote a book called Faith Goes to Work, and he offers six areas of God's work where we get to reflect and participate in. The first is redemptive work. So this is the redemptive work of God where we have God's saving reconciliatory actions, the things that God is doing to bring redemption into the world. Anytime we do work that incorporates redemptive elements, we're working like God works. This could be writers or musicians or actors who tell stories of redemptions, or it could be counselors or mediators who work to see redemption happen among people. Have you ever noticed that in Disney movies, there's always a redemptive theme? I remember being younger watching uh, The Little Mermaid. I'm not too, you know, whatever, to, to admit that I watched The Little Mermaid. And, and watching the whole sacrifice of her dad and going, oh my goodness, this is a typology to Jesus in a Disney movie. All great stories that people want to watch in movies, what do they have in them? Redemption. People tire out from music that gives them no hope. They eventually get to a place, even if all they listen to is music that is not necessarily focused on God in some way, they tire out if there's not some form of redemption. I think it's a part of us being made in the image of God in that way. We're just bent towards these kind of stories. When you offer your work in some way that is redemptive, you participate in God's work. So your work itself has intrinsic value. Creative work. God is creative in God's work fashioning and creating things. So you as an artist, a painter, an architect, an interior designer, a carpenter, a metal worker, a person who owns a company that forms plastic containers for people to put their stuff in so that they can ship it, like my friend who's sitting just over here to my right, that is work that is creative in fashioning something to sustain the world. It has intrinsic value. Providential work. God does providential work sustaining and maintaining the work of keeping the universe alive, right? So God is sustaining things. So all of you stay-at-home moms who are, and stay-at-home dads, if you're here in the room as well, who keep little humans alive, you're doing God's work. I mean, it not only has you know, value because of what their future is. No, it has value because you're sustaining their life. And that's what God does all the time. You join in God's providential work. And that could be not only the work that you do as the mom or dad who's at home with the kids, but it's the utility worker who keeps the lights on for us to keep our lives going. It's the person who's shelving food at night at Kroger so that when we show up the next day, we actually have food we can buy. 
It's the civil servants and the bus drivers and the IT specialists and the list goes on and on of the people who help keep now what our world is sustained and functioning. That's providential type of work. It's sustaining work and it reflects God's work. Justice work. God is always working towards justice to bear in the world. So lawyers and government officials and civic leaders and law enforcement are involved in justice work. The compassionate work of comforting, healing, and guiding therapists, doctors, teachers, educators, nurses, social workers. Your work has intrinsic value because it reflects the work of God's compassionate work in the world. And finally, revelatory work where we reveal, <coughs> excuse me, reveal truth about the world. God is revealing truth in the world. God is revealing things to us. It's part of God's work. Teachers, scientists, researchers of all types, journalists, these are people when you do that kind of work, you reveal truth into the world. You are participating in God's work. The work itself that you do has intrinsic value because it reflects and participates in God's work. It also has intrinsic value because we know that whatever we do, we do unto the Lord. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. Let's look at this briefly. We're going to look at two passages in Colossians, and the first one is going to be Colossians 3. This is the reminder to us that our work has intrinsic value because in God's eyes, whatever we do, it is meant to be God who we are working for first and foremost. <clears throat> Verse 22 of chapter 3. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything you do. Let me pause there and say, why am I reading a passage about slaves related to work? Because in this time period, slaves would be more akin to a worker, a servant in the home, than the way we think of slavery as in the issues of the United States in the 16, 17, 18, 1900s, and those who would even be in modern-day slavery today. So workers, obey those who you serve, your earthly master, your boss in everything you do. Try to please them all the time. <clears throat> Not just when they're watching you, even if it's March, during March Madness, and you're at your computer, and you hit the boss button as they walk by, because you're actually watching a game. Any of you know this? None of you know, you don't know this boss button? Oh, sorry. Even when they're watching you, serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the Lord. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and the master you are serving. The master, the boss you are serving is Christ. Work sincerely and willingly, not begrudgingly and with complaint or inauthenticity because our work is ultimately done unto God and therefore the very work that we do has intrinsic value. The work itself is valuable. It's not an instrument unto something else. But not only does your work matter because it has intrinsic value, it has lasting value as well. It has lasting value as well. And what I mean by this is to say that your work is not temporal. You're actually contributing to what will be in the new heavens and the new earth. And I admit, this is a different perspective than even I grew up with of my understanding. My understanding of what would happen at the end of time is that this world would go poof, and just be gone. And that, that may be your understanding as well from Scripture, and, and I respect that there is that perspective. But my perspective has changed in that 
And my understanding has changed in that as I've come to understand the idea of the new creation and this image of Revelation 21 and 22 that I mentioned last week about being renewed, that the actual language of the Greek text in Revelation is saying that the new Jerusalem is coming down because it's coming down to this form of earth in some way that is going to be renewed back to the original. And what that means then is that what we do actually contributes and so when we think about, what, about Jesus coming back, it should be like some bumper stickers say, Jesus is coming back, plant a tree. Yes, plant a tree. Because it's going to last. It's meant to last. That's God's heart in that. And that image comes from the idea that we create culture, that we don't just copy culture, consume culture, critique culture, and condemn the culture around us, but we actually become culture makers. We contribute like God did to the culture in this way. Isaiah 60 actually speaks to this idea. It points towards this idea of our work having lasting value. This is a bit of a longer text, and so I'm going uh, to read it through with you, and it's going to move through the text. And you follow along with me on the screens. Lift up your eyes and look about you. All assemble and come to you. Your sons come from afar, and your daughters are carried on the hip. Then you will look and be radiant. Your heart will throb and swell with joy. The wealth on the seas will be brought to you. To you, the riches of the nations will come. This Isaiah 60 passage, and there's a couple more we're going to read here, is this image of the end of the restoration. It's the part of Isaiah, of Isaiah 55 to 66 at the end, that is all pointing towards the consummation of God's kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven to make all things new. It's the echo that Revelation in 21, 21 and 22 is making. It's coming back to this uh, Isaiah 60 passage. Surely the islands look to me. In the lead are the ships of Tarshish. So the wealth of the nations are being brought to you, God. It's coming on the seas. The ships of Tarshish are in the lead. They're bringing your children from afar. They're bringing their silver and they're bringing their gold to the honor of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel. For he has endowed you with splendor. Your gates will always stand open, will never be shut day or night. Why? So that people may bring you the wealth of the nations. People may bring you what the nations have created, what the nations have to offer of being culture makers. Their kings led in triumphal procession. I will make peace your governor and well-being your ruler. No longer will violence be heard in your land, nor ruin or destruction within your borders. But you will call your walls salvation and your gates praise. Isaiah is speaking of the wealth of the nations being brought to the holy city, led by the kings in triumphal procession, because it's a foreshadowing of the new Jerusalem coming down and the holy city being made out of this earth. The reality of life will be a renewed creation, not void of what we have done, but rather filled with what we have done. As theologian Richard Mao says, Isaiah envisions a community into which technological artifacts, political rulers, and people from many nations are gathered. God intended from the beginning that human beings would fill the earth with processes, patterns, and products. The results of our work, of cultural formation. And this intention has no way been canceled by human sin. No, God will redeem and transform that which is presently perverted and distorted by human disobedience to his will. God will renew what we do. So again, our work is good as we consider being made in the image of the original worker, God. But our work also matters in the here and now because it has intrinsic value. 
and it has lasting value. Now, those truths about our work could be enough for us to see that our work is meaningful, that it has purpose in God's eyes. But when we take that work and we see it aligned with God's mission, we recognize what God is wanting to do in the world, then we come to recognize that not only is it meaningful and purposeful, but it actually also is ministry. It is also ministry. Ministry, every bit as important in God's eyes as that of a missionary or a pastor or whoever else we have elevated to some higher status in God's eyes based on what they do. Your work is ministry as it's aligned with God's mission in the world because work was inherently good as part of God's mission. But as part of God's mission, we, we must make sure that we keep in mind that it's ministry because of how it aligns with God's mission. What I mean by that is just to say, let me be clear that all work that's done in the world is not necessarily ministry if it goes against God's mission. What I mean is, if your work is aligning with the evil systems of the forces of darkness as described in Ephesians 6, then clearly that work is not ministry, right? Like, I'm not calling anything we do ministry. If your work leads you to exploit the poor and enhance injustice and oppression towards the marginalized, that is not aligned with God's mission in the world. If your work is exploiting the creation and, and ruining it of all of its good and it's the opposite of serving and caring for the creation, that, that's not ministry. If your work in some way, shape, or form drives people away from wanting to be in relationship with God, it, it, it is... Uh, leading to more hatred and more division, which are the opposites of God. That, that's not ministry. If your work takes advantage of people for dishonest gain, like a therapist who never tells a client that they're done with their work, because if I'd say you're done with your work, you're not going to pay me 150 an hour every week, and I need that income. That's dishonest gain from that therapist, and that's not ministry, clearly in that way. So we want to see that our work actually aligns with God's mission so that we can see it as ministry. So how then can we see that? How could we know that it is aligned with God's ministry? Well, God's specific mission of love right now in our world is reconciliation and restoration. So look over at Colossians chapter 1 with me. And let's think about how our work is ministry because it joins in with God's reconciliatory work. That God is about reconciliation right now in Jesus Christ. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He, Christ, existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through Christ, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones and kingdoms, rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through Christ and for Christ. Christ existed before anything else, and Christ holds all creation together, sustains creation. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he, Christ, is first in everything. For God, in all God's fullness, was pleased to live in Christ. And now through Christ, God reconciled everything to God's self. God made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood shed on the cross. This includes you who were once far away from God. God reconciling the world in humanity, drawing humanity back to God, but then God reconciling all things to God's self in Christ. All things, all of creation, through 
humanity. So theologically, we can understand that our work aligns with God's mission when we see how our work contributes to the reconciliation of all things. Your work is good. Your work matters because it has intrinsic value and lasting value. But your work is ministry when you understand and see how does my work align with God's mission and specifically right now, God's reconciling mission of all things in the world right now. That's what Colossians 1 is pointing us towards. So first, there's the reconciliation of God with creation. God is reconciling the creation to God's self. This is the language, really, of Romans chapter 8. We won't turn there, but Romans 8 speaks about how the creation itself is groaning, waiting for the adoptions of the sons and daughters so that it'll be taken care of. I mean, literally, it's one of the most beautiful passages saying, if we would get our act together as human beings to care for the creation, to serve it and govern it and, and watch out for it, and as God said in Genesis 1 to do, that the creation is actually groaning, Romans 8 says, for us to get our act together so that we will do that. The reconciliation includes the creation back to God in this way. Reconciliation of God is also with created beings. This is truly simply us contributing, participating in the ending of people's separation from God. This can be us witnessing with words of our testimony of loving Jesus and wanting somebody to love Jesus, but this is also us witnessing with our life that it is so attractive in its honesty and authenticity of how Jesus has changed our life, that we don't have to say anything. People are coming to us asking us questions about why are you different? How can you handle that difficult situation with such grace and peace and honesty? That we contribute to people being reconciled back to God as well, God's spirit through us. This is the reconciliation between created beings. When we participate in our work in ways that draw human beings to human beings to love their neighbors— then we are joining in with God's purposes and God's mission of reconciliation. When we move towards people to end their isolation, they're alone and we move towards them. When we are engaged to end discrimination and oppression and injustice, especially of the poor, the marginalized, and the vulnerable, then we are doing reconciliation between created human beings. When we work to bring peace among peoples, ending war, genocide, and factions, we are participating in God's reconciliation of the world to one another that God desires. So Colossians 1 is speaking in reconciliation of all things, of creation back to God, of created beings back to God, of created beings between one another, but then it's also reconciliation within created beings. That part of God's reconciliatory work is a human being reconciled to themselves as acceptable and lovable. Is it easy for you to look in the mirror and say, whew, what a lovely, beautiful person that is right there I'm looking at. I am acceptable and lovable. I'm not flawed. I'm not broken because I am whole in Jesus Christ. Not easy, is it? We have stuff about ourselves that we struggle with. And God's reconciliatory work is to say, can you love and accept yourself? Because I already have. I love you now as much as I'm ever going to love you. You can do nothing to make me love you less. You can do nothing to make me love you more. I love you. And so when we help human beings reconcile to themselves, we are part of God's reconciliatory mission in that way. 
contributing to the healing of people's brokenness and pain in body, mind, soul, and spirit. And finally, there's a reconciliation that we participate in again when we reconcile the creation not only to God, but to us as created beings. Back to Romans 8 again, that the creation is groaning, waiting for the adoption of the sons and daughters so that we will take care of it. So you might ask, where is my work contributing to God's mission of loving reconciliation? If you want to think about your work as ministry as it's meant to be, you want your work to clearly be ministry, then think to yourself, how does my work contribute to God's mission of loving reconciliation? Your work is good, it matters to God, and it is ministry as it is aligned with God's mission in the world. Do you see it? Do you see it? Can, can you see it? Can you go there? I want you to take a moment and reflect on this question. How does your work contribute to God's mission of loving reconciliation? Just take a moment and think about that. How does what you do contribute to God's mission of loving reconciliation in the world? Are you helping creation reconcile to God in some way? Are you helping creation reconcile to human beings? Are you participating with created beings being reconciled back to God in relationship, ending their separation? Are you contributing to the reconciliation between created beings one with another, by building community, building relationships. Making sure, for example, that the team you lead in your workplace knows that they belong and they're part of a family and that they're loved for who they are. So that those people come to work as much because they love who they work with than for the work that they actually do. That's part of God's reconciliating mission. Are you contributing to the reconciliation within a created being, helping someone understand that they are loved and accepted in and of themselves, helping see their pain and their brokenness healed in body, mind, soul, and spirit? Your work is good. Your work matters because it has intrinsic, lasting value. And your work is ministry as it aligns with God's mission. Today, I invite you to see your work as God sees it. See your work as God sees it so that you engage your work with passion and purpose. Let's pray together to that end. Father, I thank you for inviting us to participate with you in what you do in the world. Thank you that we get to, in all manner of ways, reflect how you are a worker, you're a creator, you're a sustainer, you're doing stuff in the world and you invite us to participate with you. And everything that we do, God, it can be ministry. It can fit in that Colossians 1 vision of the reconciliation and restoration of all things back to you, God, in Jesus Christ. And so, Father, would you help us to see this as true for our lives and who we are and what we do? Would you help us to see our work the way you see our work? that we might understand how you want to move in and through us 
that you might even show us if there are, yes, maybe changes to make in some way or shape or form to make sure that it is aligned with your mission, but that you will give us the courage and the grace and the strength to do it because our work matters, our work is good, and because you've called us to ministry in this way. Father, I thank you for this invitation, and I pray that you will guide us to this end in the name of Jesus.